Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Blessed wells, holy wells, as some people call them. Is there a difference? Not at all. They're the same, same thing, and for the same use. Now, They've always had a fascination for me. And the reason is partly because <laughs> there was just one of them in our parish at home in Kerry, the parish of Brosna. And it was St. Mullings Well. That's what we used to pronounce it as. M-O-L-I-N-G. It was only afterwards, <laughs> when I left the parish, that... It was known as St. Mollingswell, I was told. Now, there was something strange about that. St. Molling was a Carlow saint. And I believe there are churches in Carlow uh, dedicated to St. Molling. So, how did a Carlow saint um, uh, dedicate his well in Brosna? Or you might say, how was the well in Brosnil dedicated to a Carlos saint? By the time that was dedicated, or founded, or found, whatever you like to call it, 
way back in the 6th century. That was a long, long journey when there was no roads, no nothing else. There were rivers. There was a coastline. But by the Lord, Brosna isn't on the coast. And it wasn't until fairly recently, with the new line in the 19th century, that Brosna became fairly accessible. Hmm. Fairly mysterious, that. But then there's a lot of things mysterious about Holy Wells. And <clears throat> I get to that. I get to that. But they go back a long, long way. Sadder than we'll ever guess, because remember, water. Water is one of the necessities of life. Always was and always will be. <laughs> and I have a funny feeling that... The way the climate is going now, we'll be getting more and more interested in that as time passes, with deserts spreading, and the population growing, and food will be getting scarcer. <clears throat> Water, indeed. But there were pagan wells always. And pagan wells, well, <laughs> well, well, uh, St. Patrick wasn't a fool. When he arrived in Ireland as a slave, they say, and saw the way the Irish behaved and saw the way the Irish uh, religion was, because every culture has its re uh, religion, every group of people need a religion. Maybe we think we don't nowadays, maybe we think money is our religion, but um, it isn't for all of that. People need something to believe in, and the ancient Irish did also. And she saw the way people seemed to believe in water and wells and things that sprang from the ground, like trees, sacred trees they had, they had sacred water. And when he came back later as a bishop to baptise people, to convert people to his new religion, he took advantage of all of these things. He wasn't going to force people into a new religion against their will. He saw what he had seen years before and he came around people in a gentle way and changed them over gradually. What had been pagan wells now became holy wells. He used them to baptise people. He changed them over by using what they already had. So. Water, water has always been there. Sacred water has always been there and therefore holy wells are not to be sneered at. They are to be admired, they are to be... I would say, I would say, respected. And on that very note, it's a terrible thing to see that some of them today, in a country like Ireland, that has such a long history of the same things are actually being destroyed. I have been doing a study of these parish by parish by parish for our local archaeological magazine, measuring them, getting their local traditions, asking old people about them, looking up the printed documents from, for example, the Ordnance Survey letters, the John O'Donovan and Eugene O'Curry, and of course, large green in the scullion of the folklore department from the 1930s. Anywhere I can find references to these, only to find that today some people are actually, during land reclamation, 
bulldozing some of these wells. Now it doesn't happen so often, but it is happening, and that is scandalous, I think. It just shows that once again we are losing our traditions in a disgraceful way, and nothing, nothing being done about it. No consequences, as is usual, of course, in Ireland, <laughs> as we see, as we see. Oh, I, I never knew, I never knew they were there, even though they are plain, ordinary and obvious on every Ordnance Survey map. In any case, you'll find that each and every one of these wells is dedicated to a saint. Whatever saint it be, some of the saints are well known. Like Saint Joseph, it might be to Our Lady, it might be Thoburri and Daumig, uh, the, the uh, King of Sunday's well, the King of Sunday being, of course, Christ. Uh, it could be a small local saint that has been otherwise forgotten or not known outside of that area. It might be Saint Macullagh of Tulla. It might be Saint Macunnagh of Quinn. It might be Saint Cronin of Inchicronin, in other words, Crusheen. It, As I said there, it might be Saint Cathedge in, in, in Brosna. It might be... It might be, no, maybe bigger ones like St. Ita in Limerick. It might be St. Gubnit in Cork. It might, you know, the patron of beekeepers. <laughs> she wouldn't be such a small saint. Uh, they're all over the country, these small, uh, I won't say small, small is the wrong word for a saint because in their own locality they are very much loved and very much known, these saints. And you'll know that by the number of local children who will be named after that saint in the locality. Whereas outside of that place, there might be nobody at all named for that saint, be it a boy or a girl. And in the 19th century, when the church was getting respectable and growing in wealth, after coming out of the penal days of the 18th and early 19th century, those names began to be forgotten, somewhat, and maybe a little tiny bit frowned on, especially after the famine and the huge clearing out of whole areas and populations after the horrible starvation and cholera of the famine. Churches were being built and dedicated to Our Lady and St. Joseph and Christ the Redeemer. And you'll very often know when you see a well dedicated to St. Joseph or Our Lady that that well has been renamed in the 19th century. If you go back to the Ordnance Survey name books or letters, you'll find, perhaps, that that well wasn't to St. Joseph at all. It was to the local saint. For example, a good example of that is in Milton Malbay Parish in West Clare, there is St. Joseph's well, a famous well, as you would think. But, of course, the old name for that is the well of St. Lachteen, St. Lachteen was the original patron of that parish. 
and the same is true up and down the country, up and down all over the country, Ireland. Now, the rituals at the wells, it varied widely. The visits. People visited the well sometimes once, but very often you had to visit on a very, very strict ritual. Monday, Thursday, Monday, or Thursday, Monday, Thursday were the most common. Sometimes it could vary to Monday, Sunday, Monday, or another, but there were only all variations of the Monday, Thursday, Monday, or Thursday, Monday, Thursday. And as I said, when there was an individual visit, it tended to be at your own convenience, as were the prayers. Now, when the when you visited on a Monday, Thursday, Monday, you visited, well, no matter when you visited, you did a clockwise round of the well. Always clockwise, as the sun went. It was never anti-clockwise, of course. That was always the way. As the old father says, you sit at the right-hand side of the father, <laughs> as the as the creed said, sit, sit at the right-hand side, never the two-hook side. Yeah, that's why I suppose we always take note on the poor misfortune that was left-handed. Left-handed in every religion and every side is bad luck, stupid, uh, ignorant, uh, left-hand side. So it was always the same, following the sun, you always went clockwise around the well. And recited your prayers, whatever they be, be it an Our Father, a Hail Mary and a Gloria, or a number of those, or a decade of the Rosary. They varied according to whichever place. Now, as I said, it could be complicated or simple, the ritual or the visit. And the number of days could vary. As I said, it could be Thursday, Monday, Thursday, or sometimes it could even be longer than that. There were variations according to the place. Sometimes, sometimes you might come back over a couple of weeks, depending on the favour you wanted, because some of the some of the diseases will say that people went to wells with were persistent diseases. So you came back and you had to come back and you had to come back. Whereas for a small thing, you might go once to ask a favour. It might be a favour rather than a disease. I'll get to that in a moment. Now, when you went to the well and did your round, sometimes, and most times, people left something. In the days gone by, and I'm talking mainly here about days gone by, since most blessed wells aren't much visited now, uh, people left a piece of crockery, because when you go to wells nowadays, you very often find a lot of broken chinies, little pieces of crockery, and you say, what? What, is, what is this? Why are there so many little bits of crockery? Broken bits of pottery? Well, the reason is fairly simple. People didn't have the money. Or now, the other side of it, of course, is, if there had been much money left at the well, like pennies and halfpennies and threepences, it's long gone. <laughs> Children would come to the well and steal it. 
not I wouldn't call it stealing, but they'd take it to buy sweets. Or the other thing is, there might be somebody who was looking after the well and they would gather up the money on a regular basis and send it off to the missions or whatever. An old man told me that he collected over £10 at the well that he was looking after for the missions at one stage. Now £10 was a huge sum of money way back in the 1950s when he collected it. £10. It would be the equivalent of, I suppose, 150 or 200 euros now. And, and all of that was left in pennies and tropences and sixpences and maybe a shilling here and a shilling there. So, so that was people's way of saying thank you and I hope I get what I want. Sometimes it was only a medal. Sometimes people would tie a ribbon around the bushes at the well. And it showed hope. It showed hope. Because, of course, if you went to a blessed well... You went in the right frame of mind. Otherwise, why bother going? You went with faith. Just like people going to Lourdes today. Well, if you're going with a sneer, stay at home. Stay at home. Why bother going? Now, what about the person who couldn't go? A sick person in bed who might be on their last legs, we'll say, because of illness, who might be crippled. If that person sent you to do their, their visit for them, and that was fair enough, uh, you might have to bring home the water to them, to rub or to drink, because remember, it was regarded as holy water. Uh, you do that, bring a little bottle with you, and also... Because usually there'd be moss growing in the damp place around the well. You could bring home some of the moss in order to rub the holy water from the bottle onto the afflicted parts, which might be a sore, which might be a, 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 a whatever it be, <laughs> the equivalent of the place that you would use one of these reliefs from the chemist shop today to, to relieve a sore joint or whatever and as soon as that was used up whatever water was left over plus the moss you were supposed to bring that back to the well from where you got it leave the moss at the well and pour the water that was left over back into the well you had to do that otherwise the cure might not work. Now, an interesting point of most of these wells was, and you'll hear of this from old people constantly, constantly, there was little fish or an eel in the well. And if you saw this fish or eel, you were guaranteed of a cure. If you didn't see the fish or eel, that didn't mean that you weren't going to get the cure. Because, remember, many of these wells, at the bottom, there would be quite a bit of foliage or mud because they wouldn't be kept cleaned out constantly. And sometimes there'd be a little flow of water through them. Many people, of course, were more than anxious, anxious to see the eel or the fish, naturally. 
Now, another thing was, the water from a blessed well would never boil. That was a guarantee, the old people always said, and that led to problems. When they came back uh, to put back the water, after being told, you know, you idiot, you, why the hell, where did you get it? Over there at the well. Didn't you realise that was a blessed well, you fool? Take it back, take it back. Only to find that the well was no longer there. The well had moved out of insult. <laughs> the well had been insulted and moved to another place nearby, very often across a stream at a boundary, often at a parish boundary. Now, now, that could cause terrible, terrible problems entirely between the people of one parish and another, as you might guess, because a case of, you stole our well, God almighty, what kind of a Christian are you? And it, it could lead to faction fights in days gone by. And you know what faction fights were like. They could cause, <clears throat> they could cause deaths and did the notion that somebody would steal your well. Because, you see, the well, on a pattern day, because the pattern day was the day on which the whole parish turned out for their pattern, their patron, because the patron day, the day on which their patron saint was celebrated, at the well. But if there was no well at which to celebrate the patron, the pattern day, what are you going to do? That other crowd across the uh, across the border of the parish, across the stream, across the river, they have all they have all well stole. What are we going to do about it? And look at the one that stole it, eh? That dirty family were never any good anyway, except for thievery and cattle stealing and no well stealing. God almighty, what, what? And I tell you, I had a couple of stories about that where it started trouble that continued for generations. And in a couple of those places, you can still see the mark where the original well was before it sprang up across the stream at the new location. So, I tell you, holy wells had their own mind. They would go where they wanted to go and weren't beholden to you at all, according to the stories. Now, another thing about these blessed wells was... Around them sometimes there were sacred trees, just like where the old chieftains long ago were inaugurated. Huge, huge trees. And there are some lovely stories about some of these trees. For example, the one where I am here in Crusheen at St. Bridget's Well, there's the famous tree. And it's a sycamore. It must be 90 feet high. And you can't get your hands around it. The, the, the trunk of it is so huge. But the story behind that is that a poor old blind man, he was stumbling along the road with his stick. And he was a beggar, of course, blind. And somebody told him about St. Bridget's Well, for eyes, of course it was. And he asked them, please, would they lead him to it? And they did, whoever it was. And the custom at this particular well was that you had to stay overnight at the time, because that was the custom at some of the wells. 
you had to stay overnight. He stayed. He said whatever prayers were to be said there. And when he woke in the morning, he fell asleep. Of course, the poor man, I suppose he was exhausted from walking the road. And he woke in the morning. And lo and behold, his sight was back. And the poor man, sure beggared that he was, he had nothing to leave except his stick. He stuck the stick there in the ground, thanking St. Bridget, thanking, thanking her. And the stick took root. And that's the tree that grew out of the stick there today. Huge, huge, huge tree. That's the story about how the tree came to be out of that poor beggar man's sick. And you'll find beautiful stories like that about so many of the wells. Like in this same parish, there's a saint's track on a stone near another one of the six wells in this parish. There are six of them in this parish alone. And the story goes that on the way from Queen Abbey to Gilmachthor, the abbot in charge, or the saint in charge, he would be saint Coleman of Kilmachdoch. His followers, I suppose, the monks, or the, the followers, they were on their way. And that particular place, which is in the parish of Balmroan, if you want to call it a parish, part of Crushin Parish, and they had forgotten all oh, the thoughts. We have forgotten our vestments, not our vestments, but the, 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 the chalice and the other vessels. And he sent back the monks to get them to Queen Abbey. And he said, look, I'll wait here, because it's a wild, wild, desolate particular place, that. And he waited. But it's high, it's high. He'd be able to see them coming from a distance and wave to them. He'd wave to them to guide them. So he waited and he waited and he waited, hour after hour, because it was a fair journey for them back to Quinn. And finally they came. But he had been standing there on one leg for so long, on the rock, that by the time they came, the print of his leg was on the rock. And the well, the well that was beside him, a little well, there it is today, and the print of his leg on the rock. People come to that, and they put their own foot on the rock. And they say there is a cure for feet on that. A foot cure. And that brings us to cures at holy wells. What do people go to holy wells for? Well now, I'm sure most people have heard that eye cures are the most common. And you might ask why? Well, like I said previously, Christ, he sent the blind man to the pool of Siloam for a cure of his eyes. And they were cured at the pool of Siloam. And maybe that was a help to people when they were going to blessed wells because it was already in the Gospels. But there must be some something else to it. Because I have found down the years now, looking at well after well after well, eyes are by far and away the most common cure. And it has to be something practical. 
because yes, people are interested in the Gospels up to a point. But remember, practical life is the greatest interest of most people. And in the 19th century especially, hygiene wasn't in Ireland the number one uh, attribute of life. People were poor and when people are poor and when there's no running water in the kind of bohans they lived in, well then, um, how do you keep your eyes clean? I saw a programme recently on television where some place in the third world uh, the hospital staffs now these would be not fancy hospitals at all they would be out in the bush were trying to get people to understand that you have to try to keep yourself a little bit clean in order to avoid things like trachoma because now and this was in a place where water was scarce at least in Ireland water isn't scarce but still some kind of hand hygiene and in Ireland of course at that time that would have been the last last of of people's worries hand hygiene we're trying to feed ourselves but remember if you're rubbing your hands to your eyes and your hands are dirty your eyes are going to get inflamed and that doesn't matter whether you're living in a dry climate or in a wet climate and that I'm convinced is part of what the problem was in Ireland and why blessed wells were resorted to so often for eye cures. That and one other thing, the windows in houses were small and the fires were smoky. Because remember, landlords, they charge you higher tax the bigger your windows were. So windows in houses were small and... There were half doors in the houses and smoke could only get out, well, not so well, let's put it like that. Houses were smoky, smoke inflamed the eyes and so people, people had red eyes constantly and rubbing their eyes and sore eyes and so they couldn't afford to go to doctors and they, and they went to holy wells. So eye cures and eye problems were top of the list when it came to, came to Holy Wells. And another thing you see is, I don't think I've ever come on a Holy Well for hearing. Why? There we go again. Always eyes. Not for hearing. Was it that people had no problem with their hearing or that they just... It wasn't, it wasn't a, a big uh, worry for them. Eyes are. Without your eyes you can't do much. You're out on the road. And that's why most beggars were out on the road, because they were blind. Not, you can get by somehow without your hearing, but without your sight. You're, you were no good in the 19th century because you couldn't work on the farm. Sad, but true. Lameness. Yes, there were and are plenty of blessed wells for lameness. Uh, backache. Yes, for cures for backache. Uh, interesting ones for cholera. 
One of the famous ones for cholera here in County Clare is the Clonleigh Blessed Well, where there's the cholera stones. And there are quite a few Blessed Wells for cures for horses. And the reason is pretty obvious, because horses were such a, such a valuable uh, a commodity at the time. It would be the equivalent of for a farmer of doing without your tractor today. Horses were an absolute necessity for most people at the time, and to have some place to go uh, at a time when vets were, were, I won't say unknown, but both scarce and expensive. It would be wonderful if you could go to a blessed well and hope to get a cure there. There were also, of course, blessed wells which gave protection. And every blessed well would be expected to do that, since it was blessed uh, to bring you protection if you are a fisherman, for example, because fisher, fish, fishing, especially sea fishing, is a dangerous game, even today, where there are bigger trawlers. But what about if you were out, we'll say, in a curragh? If you were out in a Galway hooker or a, a rowing boat or a sailing boat or anything like that, an inshore fisherman? Uh, you were in mortal danger all the time, even though these fishermen knew their their business. Still, still, an awful lot of them were drowned by wild seas and unexpected winds and waves. And it would be nice to have something from a blessed well uh, in the boat with you to guarantee you some little bit of protection, hopefully. There was, for example, against accidents. Uh, a well in County Clare, in West Clare, uh, back in the West, where if you took little pieces of the bark, of the branches, it was guaranteed to give you uh, protection against accidents. Now, I can vouch for that one myself, because I, myself, had two car accidents, and I had pieces of that I didn't pick them and I wouldn't pick them, but there were branches that had fallen in the ground and I just put them in a little, in little, um, you know, the camera film cases, the little plastic cases that film comes in for a camera. I had put the pieces in those little cases twice, two separate occasions, and just put them under the seat in the car and I was in, the, in a crash once in which I rode off my car and I walked out of the car and the second time the same thing happened to me. I was in a crash, badly smashed up the car and I walked out of it without injury. Now, it might have happened to me like that anywhere, but on both occasions I had that under the seat and it happened to be the one from the Blessed Well that was, uh, uh, I won't call this a talisman, no. It's not that, because that, that, the word talisman conjures up the notion of, oh, uh, magic, magic. These aren't magic, these are a blessing. These are a holy thing against, against, the, a saint's blessing against whatever it is. And these are a protection, a saint's protection against, and in this case, against an accident. And thanks be to God for me, they worked. I'm still here. And there's one in Fecal, which is against fire. And a woman told me that her house caught fire one time. 
and she had a part of a little bit of this tree inside in her house and the fire stopped <coughs> right in the room where this was. The other half of the house was burned and this, the rest of the house, saved because she had this piece of the tree from around the well where this was. I can't say whether it was true or not, but the woman told me that it was. Now, sometimes immigrants took some of the water from these wells, as you might guess with them, or took a little bit of the back of these trees, or a sprig of the branches of these trees with them. And can you blame them? It was a reminder of their home place. They would take them to England, or maybe Australia, or America. A lovely reminder of home. So... I have been going around the country uh, meeting people, uh, correcting the Ordnance Survey maps sometimes because uh, the Ordnance Survey always ask uh, if you can give many corrections to what is on their maps, they will check it and they will accept them. And in a few occasions I have, through my experiences on the ground, because I always prefer Yes, to take in documentary proof, uh, but my motto has always been documents are only as good as those who produce them. And take in documentary proof, but always go to the place, measure the well, talk to the old people around, and after that I write them up. And people find it very, very useful. If any of you have any information for me, I would, of course, be delighted to hear it at any time. Thank you very much.